seeing a big reset. With any business, mm -hmm. a bad economy is going to thin the herd. Whenever you're working with like investors, mm -hmm. what kind of deals are they looking for? Wholesaling is flipping contracts. Lipstick flip. Yeah. So an aesthetic flip. You're listening to Over the Hedge, a real estate podcast that focuses on all aspects of the real estate transaction. Whether it be buying your first home or doing your 10th flip, I hope to bring you value that helps you get things done smarter and more efficiently. I'm Jonathan Hedge, and since a young kid, I've always been obsessed with the world of real estate. So come along with me as I engage with industry leaders that play in each sector of the real estate game. What's going on, man? Nice to see you. Good to see uh, you too. Let's see. So two weeks ago, we did the first one mm -hmm. and we're back for another one. I think the setup is a little bit better this time. Yeah, not a, definitely. Not a weird angle on us or anything. Um, so today we're going to just kind of talk about like working with investors in the real estate space, what their game kind of looks like and how like being an agent impacts that and like what your role is in that, you know, I guess, what would you call it in that? Oh, and transaction <laughs> yeah right it is very different versus it being a agent helping a family buy a house versus somebody flipping a house because you get a lot of the emotion taken out of it because real yeah. estate well I, I say that it is taking the emotion out on yeah. the seller's side but at the same time the seller has to put certain parts of the house into it to appeal to a buyer which is very emotional driven yeah. they always make the joke that the wife makes all the decisions it's because they major parts of the house has to appeal to people and yeah. you know usually the wife is the one that likes parts of the house so yeah the guy always, usually doesn't care yeah you just we we don't care as much we got to have a garage and different things like that but women want certain things in a house so yeah hardwood floors are now lvp engineer stuff like that different things that add character and makes a house feel unique yeah it's trying to get investors to put that in their houses so they will sell yeah so like the lvp mm -hmm. um that's a big thing. I did remodeling for a while with uh, Matt Barbie. I don't know if you know who that is, but shout out yeah. to Matt. He taught me a lot of stuff. <laughs> he, uh, we did a lot of LVP. So like almost like every flooring that we would replace with LVP. <clears throat> I like it. Do like I honestly don't. It's great. It's great because it's um, it brings the look of hardwood yeah. with the functionability of it. But it also if you have kids or dogs and you spill something or drop something it's not going to scar it like mm -hmm. hardwood floors and hardwoods have different levels to it like oak is very hard but if you go to pine which is very popular the modern farmhouse look these days yeah that is my parents have in their house dings all over the place uh but i do like the look of hardwood floors because you walk across it's something natural it's not man-made mm -hmm. which i like about it whereas lvp it's more durable but it you're walking on plastic basically yeah. lvp is cool because i mean it has that matting that kind of like rubber on the bottom and mm -hmm. you just clip it together you do throw it down um the perfect combination is engineered hardwoods because it's got like a small portion on the top of it is mm -hmm. going to be that wood veneer but the rest of it is the same functionality as lvp yeah so that's really the best right now because it takes the best of hardwood floors yeah. and your LVP. Do you know how much LVP like costs? I don't. Me neither. It, it varies a lot. I have um, a client had me come that was in Winston, had a guy over here recently that I went and he told me it was a good price and I can't remember exactly what it was. I want to say like $2 and something a square foot, but that could be really wrong. I can't yeah, remember I exactly. I'm, I'm used to what the house itself for more so than what the materials are going for. But yeah, 
Yeah, I know because well, I know it's a lot cheaper. Like OAP is definitely a lot cheaper than doing hardwood. Hardwood, and I think I don't know if the labor is much easier because I know hardwoods you are snapping it together, which mm-hmm. LVP you are, but I think LVP is a lot wider board, so it's just simpler. Yeah, it's easy. Yeah, I mean it's it's super easy mm-hmm. to put in that type of flooring. And they do make tile, like LVP tile. Well, really? I guess it wouldn't be laminate, vinyl, tile, and not planks LVT, but um, I've got that in my kitchen. I like it a lot. Really? Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's obviously not tile, but you don't have that cold feeling. I just like the way it looks. Yeah. Yeah. I, didn't, I guess, I guess that makes sense now that I think about it. But a lot of things with LVP, they'll run it throughout the entire house more so. So in the bathroom, you don't want hardwood floors. It gets wet. It's going to warp. Yeah. Whereas LVP, you run it throughout the entire house because it's waterproof, yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah. Of course you can throw that LVP down in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about humidity getting to it. Um, it's waterproof as well because if you spill something on it, it has that kind of like the way it connects. It's not going to just destroy the subfloor. True. I feel like um, we should be on a commercial for an LVP I know, right? company right now. Um, I am. We will definitely take a sponsorship if they want mm-hmm. to. Right. <laughs> um. All right. So let's let's uh let's talk about investors. You've got several clients that are investors, right? Yeah, a lot of mine are. So my dad was a flipper. That's how I got into real estate. So yeah. my first listings were his flips, and. I, I do both. I like helping families buy their first homes or their mm-hmm. homes they're growing into. But I also like investors because that's what I eventually want to do. And I think you said you wanted to do that eventually, too. Yeah. It's a lot about numbers. Yeah. And I got into real estate because I hated architecture. I love architecture, but I hated math. So I thought in being a real estate agent, I would not deal with numbers like that. But the longer I get into it, the more yeah, it's like I don't mind numbers. dealing with the numbers. Yeah, <laughs> especially because with them, a lot of the thing is it they always say if it makes sense. So they've got to buy this property at a discount. They've got to put the stuff into it and then they've got to sell it to a family. Yeah. Um, and some family, you know, some people don't like investors. There's some that will cut corners. They won't fix everything, but working with them and just selling houses, I, I can kind of tell if it is a lipstick job or if they completely renovated the property. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, you know, I feel as if a lot of people hate investors mm-hmm. and landlords. They see them as like these greedy, like hateful people. But I feel like the, truth is is like if it weren't for people that are investing in property and flipping property you know making neighborhoods better and renewing old house that otherwise would never get flipped Mm -hmm. or anything like that like i feel like that has such a stronger impact on local economies curb appeal of streets and towns like around here in ashboro a lot of streets you'll see a house that's been flipped and it's got a nice curb appeal I feel like that does a lot for the local economy. It definitely does, but you also, and I think investors are in two different categories when you look at it. There's flippers and there's people that buy and hold rental properties. Mm-hmm. And the renters get a bad rep, especially if you're looking at these over the past four years when COVID came through and money became super cheap. These big investors didn't have enough money on the stock market, or, you know, they're not making a return yeah. with their investment on the stock market. So they pull that out, put it into real estate because prices are just jumping. And, and you talked about that in our last podcast. A lot of the, yeah. those investors are looking at pulling out now. Those people get horrible rep because they're, you know, they're managing 50 houses in yeah. a city where they can't fully manage all those things. Whereas your mom and pop investor, you know, they have maybe five rental properties max, something like that. They're more understanding. They take care of their properties. So it and they do help, you know, provide housing for yeah. people that you know, they don't have the money to buy a house instantly. So they're not bad. Um, and you may get a better discount with somebody that doesn't have a million rentals versus somebody that's got five. Yeah. And they'll take better care of them in most cases. So I, I think 
those are investors. And then also with your flippers, they get a bad rep as the market gets better because they have to do less to the property. So in a balanced market, they're very important because like you said, old houses that people would just let go, they mm-hmm. see an opportunity there and they spend the money to fix it up. Um, but as the market gets better, a lot of people see, oh, I can go do this. And they think it's super simple. They don't have to do anything. They see the TV shows like Chip and Joanna Gaines. They see the flip this house and they think, oh, it's only this much money. Let me go do this. And they sometimes will screw up the market, which yeah. happens very often as the economy gets better. And then you'll see a reset. And those people that aren't professionals at it usually go out of it as the people that are great stay in. So yeah. it's good. And as market cycles will filter out some of the bad flippers that give the bad reputations. I mean, yeah. with both too, with some of the rentals and with some of the Well, I flipping. mean, I, I feel like with any business, mm-hmm. a bad economy is going to thin the herd. Like the people that are yeah. serious about business and they're serious about always continuing in it are going to stay in. And, and like, you'll see some of the biggest companies ever are like, uh, they were created in bad economies. Oh, one of the more recent ones, yeah. uh, was it WeWork? They just went bankrupt, I think. That may not be 100%. They went under. They're the ones where yeah, you, um, I think so. they ran out of office space, which we have a local version of that here, which seems to do okay. I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. that was really interesting. And now with real estate, the commercial side of it, you know, a lot of these loans, commercial loans are going to be shorter than your residential loans. Yeah. And they renew every couple of years. So they've got to make sense every 10 years they go to renew. You either have to pay off the balance or you have to refi. Yeah. And these banks are refiing if the value is not there and the interest rate doesn't make sense. So these properties that cash flowed at 2% are no longer cash flowing. I think that was why we work went under, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, probably. But I it, think that's yeah. a lot of like real estate investing is like right now, because everything I'm, I'm hearing when I listen to other people talk about it or read stuff like currently mm-hmm. is like cash flow is not really like the game in real estate currently. Because instead of getting like the one or two percent like rent, that's like that's not really happening because you're getting a house and with interest rates so high, you're spending so much on that payment unless you're buying it in cash. Like cash flow is not really like your friend right now. Yeah, which I mean, it- all the investors I work with, they're like, I'm not going to do it if it doesn't make sense. And real estate right now is not quite making sense unless you're getting a great deal. Um, I think we're seeing a big reset. So people that have owned properties that have always cash flowed, they're going to be fine. Um, But it's going to pull back a lot of those investors that aren't, they don't really know what they're doing. And a lot of these guys that they do that full time, they're probably going to just sit back until the market does, because we're not sure what's going to happen. It, you know, could continue to go up, but nothing can go up continuously forever. They've got to lower it. But if the Fed, they're basically hired to kill the economy whenever things like inflation get out of control. So that's what mm-hmm. I think we're seeing. And money should be at 7%. Historically, that's where it should be. And after 2008, they dropped it. And so we've kept you know, rates stupid low since yeah. 2008, which is not really sustainable. So I think now we're seeing we've pushed it down the road enough to now we have to go through this reset to get things back on track. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I mean, we've... We've have to have like a strong reset, and mm-hmm. I feel like in everything, right? Because like everybody's been, the world has shifted so much since COVID. Like yeah. Airbnb, like that game is starting to change now. You know, three or four years ago, you could get into it with like anything. Well, know? a lot of stuff is, is cyclical, so yeah, or cyclical, so yeah, that yeah, those are more luxuries. People don't really travel as much when the economy tightens some, and I think. The Fed's rate right now, I think they're at like a three point, is it seven? They're not quite at four, 
unemployment rate. And I think to see major change, they're going to get like the sixes and sevens. Yeah. And what was interesting about COVID, you know, I was in real estate during that time and I saw things go up really, really high, but we always thought, you know, to me it was 2020 things just stopped for a minute and then the market took off. Yeah. Whereas I was watching a video, a guy said that the market crashed, then our unemployment went to some crazy number. But it's funny because we never saw that because the government printed so much money mm-hmm. at that time, which is now affecting everything at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, all right. So um, whenever you're working with like investors, mm-hmm. um, what kind of deals are they looking for? Does each or I guess a better question would be, does each investor have like a different parameter of deals? Um, yeah. I mean, their whole thing is if it makes sense, they all look for cash flow, which is hard yeah. these days. Um, I mean, as long as they can be profitable and not be super risky, they're going to do it. A lot of the big investors that were buying up stuff during COVID, they had bought some of my listings and their bread and butter was something that was built, I think after 1950. Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of the stuff that you're looking at as an investor, if you buy, you know, houses changed throughout the periods and after probably the seventies, that's when things got to about the point we are now with construction. Yeah. People make the arguments older houses are better built, which they are in some cases, but you've also got stuff like asbestos, lead-based paint, and 78 is actually when le- those two things were you yeah. know, and like discontinued. no code requirements before like the well, 70s almost. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. And um, yeah. So you, you have poor code requirements. Poor code requirements. So, yeah. yeah. And then the wiring too is another thing. So a lot of your, I think late seventies, you got panels, you're not looking at the fuses Mm -hmm. anymore. Uh, But even then a lot of your third prongs aren't grounded. So a lot of people will steer. So investors that are big institutional, they'll steer clear of a lot of the the small ones. People I work with, they'll do about anything as long as, like I said, it makes sense. I've got a client now that basically rebuilt the whole bottom of an old house, which is super cool. I'd love saving old properties, but I saw this one before she got it. I would have knocked it down. It was so bad, but I'm glad she saved it. built the foundation of it? Like the house was built in the th- probably 20s, I think. Mm-hmm. And back then they didn't put the same footings and, you know, not the same quote requirements as we have now. Yeah. So when I walked in it, the foyer was level, but the living room, you could slide on your butt from the foyer to the center of the living room. And the fireplace was probably like two feet above the center of the floor. Yeah. So it was horrible. They had to re basically build the whole bottom of the house. Um, but she wasn't scared of it cause they got it for the right number Yeah, and she knew they were going to basically be rebuilding the house. So that's what they're doing right now. Um, so different investors do different things and all, they're also not going to want to be too far, um, from where they live, especially if they're managing these projects, because a lot of people think, Oh, they just buy it, flip it and put it back on the market. But they're managing this project kind of like a general contractor. Yeah. If they don't have one to make sure it's all done correctly Yeah. until then. So are they, are most of the people that you work with, are they doing a flip or are they buying it, holding it, putting somebody in it? Right now they're looking at buying and holding. A lot of stuff is sitting on the market. We have low inventory, but it's like we've reached a peak in pricing where the average buyer can't afford it Yeah, because the interest rates are so high. Um, so they're having to sit on a lot of things unless their house is under 200 to about 300,000. Um, I guess entry level homes, people that always have to move, you know, moving out of their parents' house, starting a new job, they're always going to buy. So that's your entry level homes. Those are selling. I'd say those are up to about 200 if they're a two bed, one bath. Anything above that's, you know, a small family moving from that first house to their second they're growing mm-hmm. into. That caps out in this area about 300. Um, so anything above three is a nicer forever home. Those are really sitting. Um, so that that's what I'm seeing a lot yeah. of. They're 
they'll buy these properties and they'll hold them because they realize, you know, the market may change and they need to wait for things to be moving quickly, unless it's one of those entry level homes that will sell quickly. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing right now. Yeah. Cause I mean, and when they're doing a deal like that, like their cash gets locked up in that property. So oh, yeah. are they using, or, you know, you work on kind of in the transaction, are mm-hmm. they using hard money lenders or are they, are some of them paying just cash buying the property? What are they typically? It varies. Um, yeah, it really varies. A lot of people are using hard money lenders. A lot of people will use debt in this industry to, mm-hmm. you know, because if they have $100,000 in the bank, they're better off saving that money, using somebody else's money to buy five houses and using their personal money to fix it up versus spending all their money on one house because if they have a failure on one, they're mm-hmm. out of luck. But if they're using institutional money, can pay all that back and they don't make as much on one house, but they make, you know, enough on the others, it makes more sense. Yeah. Um, institutional money I like, but it's also getting very expensive because they're a bit higher than the average what are they rate. At, like 12? I think so. I think they're around 12. I know they're above 10 for most, and it varies because it's... Yeah. yeah. Some of them will do like a six month thing though, where you just, it's like a balloon. At the Which end. I would be scared of. Yeah. Because right now... If you can't sell it. I mean, you have to do the whole rehab. So if it's an involved house and you don't nothing really happens mm-hmm. as you'd want it to I have a guy that we were hoping to get all these houses. I think he had four sold by Christmas. We've sold one so far. The rest of them I'm going looking at cause he had crews on each one. So mm-hmm. it's like babysitting yeah. each project to make sure it goes through. So everything always takes longer. So a six month term, I don't think is long enough because I would probably at least want a year or two just yeah. to make sure you have enough time. Or if you're doing multiple projects at once, each take longer Yeah. in that case. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Real quick, if mm-hmm. anybody's hearing this background noise, it sounds like there's a tractor outside. Um, <laughs> Even though we're in the city. <laughs> I know, right? Um, perfect timing. So, all right. So, I guess, when when would somebody use, like, a six-month loan like that? Um, so, a lot of wholesalers, which have a really horrible reputation now with the market, and some of them do make sense and aren't bad. Yeah. Um, what people that don't know, wholesaling is flipping contracts. So you buy a house, let's say you sell me a house for $10,000. I know it's worth 20. Yeah. So I know an investor that is willing to pay 20. And then I know that investor knows he can fix that house up and sell it for a hundred yeah. by putting 50 into it. So there's room there. But a lot of what's happened is these guys, as the market's gotten better, more people hear about it, especially on TikTok. I have a lot of people approach me after high school and they're like, Oh, I know you do real estate. Can you help me with wholesaling? They have no idea what they're doing. A lot of people in wholesaling yeah. have no idea what they're doing. So they don't know that they're legally obligated to this contract. There are ways out of it, mm-hmm. but they're signing this paper saying that I can pay this money without the ability to pay this money is essentially what they're doing. And if you don't have somebody that will pay you the money for that house, then you're kind of messing up the flow of things. And then if you also have to sell it to an investor in most cases, because if a home doesn't pass an inspection, well, I say pass inspection, pass an appraisal, I get this. Everybody's like, oh, does it pass the inspection? There's no such thing as passing an inspection. Mm-hmm. And a home inspector finds a million things that's wrong with it. That's just how it works. The bank is the one that says, we'll loan you on this property as long as it's got a centrally controlled heating system, finished flooring, finished walls. Yeah. Um, so the inspection doesn't really matter, and most banks don't even look at it. It's between the homeowner and the yeah. buyer, and they just negotiate on the side what they want for it to pass. It's down to the appraiser to say, this house is worth what you're buying it for, um, where I'm going with that is a lot of these wholesale these wholesalers, they're getting these properties that will not pass an appraisal. Yeah. So they have to go to an investor. And if they aren't looking to make sure 
that the investor can afford to flip it and make a profit and then sell it to a homeowner, yeah, you know, they're it's yeah. not gonna make any sense. I'll, I watch a lot of guys on YouTube, mm-hmm. um, YouTube University, but uh, if like they'll get in, they'll see a deal, and if they can get the seller to agree for like. 10,000 less than asking mm-hmm. and they think it's a good deal then they're going to try to find a cash buyer um but like they there's so much more that goes into that because oh, like definitely. you have to know everything you need to know the math you need to know how to structure that deal and you need to bring that to the to the investor especially mm-hmm. if you don't already have a relationship with them right yeah so i have helped clients that they do have wholesale properties before mm-hmm. that's a quick way if you're an investor you know you're tying up your money for months on properties and you don't get paid until the property sells or hopefully you make a profit and that's how you get paid. So they would do wholesaling in between. And I'd say it's, um, sometimes it makes sense and it's a good thing, but at the same time, the homeowner, they may be able to sell it to on the open market. So the the reason a wholesaler would work is if you don't want to pay 6% commission and you want it to go to an investor, because at the end of the day, when I put something on the market, Usually we don't price it for investors. Investors know to lowball. Yeah. If they're gonna get it for a right deal. And there's a big difference between a house like this house that I'm in right now, if it didn't have an HVAC and the floors weren't completed, mm-hmm. everything else is the same, that's probably like fifty thousand dollars difference in price because that stops an individual from buying it. Yeah. Whereas investors. So investors they've got to have room to pay a real estate commission, pay their closing costs, pay for the rehab, and make something for their time. Yeah. Whereas a wholesaler, they are gonna to have to sell these investors because they don't they're not a realtor. They don't have all these buyers that are looking or access they can put it on Zillow for sub owner, but nine times out of ten it's not gonna get the right traction and they're not gonna find the buyer that they need. Yeah. Um so they do have to have a you know bunch of investors i see i see facebook groups um i'm in a lot of them in north carolina because i Mm -hmm. wanted to kind of see what it was about um because there's so many yeah so many real estate investors facebook groups Mm -hmm. and every day i'll see somebody post like i have this this contract um i'm looking to assign it these are the numbers on it and I'm I'm curious how much of it's legit because they'll get like in two hours I'll get like thirty comments like send me the info my yeah. my husband wants you to call him something like that so that is a, I I don't know for sure because I'm not in those mm-hmm. but that's probably accurate but a lot of these people are enjoying these Facebook groups or like me and you they're not the big investor that's getting home run deals so yeah. they don't really know themselves they could be especially in this market where things I feel like we're I don't know if we're at a peak, but I feel like things have really reached as much as they can go with buyers not being able to afford as much. Yeah. But yeah, so my point is if these people end up not knowing what they're doing, just trying to get into real estate, they'll look and they're like, oh, this is not, this is cheaper than what I'm seeing on the market. Yeah. Despite the fact that it needs a million things and it's going to be more expensive once you put it back to where it will pass a loan than it is right now. So a lot of people that aren't very experienced will jump on those. And a lot of wholesalers that don't have that network of investors will also post it out there. Yeah. So it, it's a big combination. I have a lot of um, wholesalers that I'll subscribe to their stuff. They'll have these blasts where they'll just send out everything. Um, I do here in Florida. Florida, I'm not as familiar with the numbers since I am a new agent over there. But here, I'm super familiar with it. And they just don't have enough room. For some guys that were doing a lipstick flip, it would work. But most of the time, those houses, they need a lot more than what the wholesaler is willing to put into it. Yeah. And then they'll also look at comps that don't quite justify the price. They're not going to look at your homes that are, you know, same thing, but 
you may have the same house very comparable next door, but if there's one the neighborhood over that's worth more just because it's a $500,000 neighborhood versus a three, yeah. they're going to use that comp more so than the house next door. So that's so one thing that you just, you just used a term. Um, I liked it. Lipstick flip. Yeah. So an aesthetic flip. So Aesthet- like let's, yeah. let's paint it, let's clean the floors, let's mm-hmm. paint the shutters, stuff like that. Um, that's like a cheap, cheap option cheap. to flip a house and make yeah. it look a lot better. I, I think people that are just selling their house should do that and to make more money. Right? Oh, very much so. Um, and you ever watch selling some, I'm not one of those people that like a bunch of, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, I just like seeing the houses on yeah. it, but there was one where the, the two twins that owned it, he had come out with this new service where they were going to basically take this mansion that was redone, you know, it's a million dollar house redone yeah. a couple years ago. 10, 20 years ago. So it's starting to get dated, had some little cosmetic things wrong with it. The homeowner doesn't know what sells. And as realtors, we know what sells. Mm-hmm. So he would let them, the agency would front the flip and doing the things to it. And then once it sold, they were reimbursed that. Plus they may have had a higher commission on it just for their work to do. Yeah. That's very smart for a homeowner. Well, that's like an offer, right? So like whenever you're looking at like your services, um, in anything you have to sell value so mm-hmm. like if you're wanting to get the best clients then you need to show the best value so like that's how those big agents and and brokerages and stuff are able to yeah. catch the attention of somebody like that because they're offering so much more that's true and also with that demographic i mean they're millionaires mm-hmm. probably billionaires in hollywood whereas here we're dealing with more your average people yeah exactly. whereas they can't afford or don't want to afford to do that and they have somebody that can do it themselves so as realtors we like to say hey you can do x y mm-hmm. and z to make your house more appealable and, and it helps a whole lot yeah. when it goes to reselling what kind of stuff can somebody do i know this is a little off topic but since yeah. you're on it um what kind of stuff can somebody do to just move the needle a little bit on their home value if they're wanting to sell it yeah so i'll use an example of a flip a client of mine just did and it was on this cul-de-sac and all these houses were very similar. So I had my client paint and they're all brick ranches from the sixties mm-hmm. and painted bricks super in right now. Um, I had white, paint, white, right. he went white with the black shutters. Looks good. Looks great. Yeah. So that helped it on the inside. Grays were really in a couple years ago. I even had my house gray, but he painted everything like a bluish gray. Did the floors. Uh, they were original hardwood floors. So I really like that is a good selling point. Um, but now everything's white, like yeah. white walls, but a different tone of white for the ceiling and the trim. Yeah. So like that textured white doing that with, I guess, I can't remember like what the exact, not really farmhouse or starting to get away from farmhouse, but more like with boho style or, mm-hmm. you know, something with more like a trendy. How, what is that? Like a wicker? Style yeah. Like that light furniture. wood color, um, with some mid-century modern furniture or something interesting yeah. with some color here and there that sells a lot. So it's those. It's more of a feeling if yeah. you're selling to a homeowner when they walk in the house, they want it to feel like home. Um, so those things just get their attention and that's what'll sell a house. So if you know I had a regular house, I would just do little details to it. Really add character as much as you can. Like um, my fireplace, which you can see a little bit in here, it had ugly red brick, so I whitewashed it. I didn't want to do just white white because it yeah. looked like an apartment to me, but that gave it more texture, which I like. So things like that, hardwood floors or LVP, you know what they're doing now, and then the kitchen, things that you touch that feel more high end. Mm-hmm. So if you are choosing between like an entry level fake countertop versus butcher block or granite, I mean, granite and quartz are going to be more expensive, but something that's real, even if it's wood, so butcher block, stuff like that. Um, yeah. And then a backsplash, even if it's not 
the most expensive one. Like I've had a client go in and paint um, old laminate countertops, look like granite. They did a fake backsplash. They painted all their walls white. They had original hardwood floors, and then they got, they bought the house. I sold it to them for I think one forty or one thirty seven back in twenty one, and then we sold it for two fifteen, and it only things they did was wallpaper in the bathroom, um, which sounds dated now, but starting to come back a little bit. They had wall like rice paper, so we took that down, put wallpaper. I've got wallpaper in my really? bathroom. Yeah, <laughs> would Jenna really? Yeah, yeah, she always wants everything a certain yeah. way. With that style, is a good like if you had her go in that that would sell very well. Um, but yeah, that that type of thing. So just yeah. staging it too will even make a big difference. Well, you got to think like a white a white space looks bigger. So if somebody's going to do a walkthrough, like it looks bigger, mm-hmm. um, it's going to feel more open and like I don't know more free on the inside. Yeah, um, I I've seen some flips that people do where they'll do that white all the way through it, get mm-hmm. like nice white paint and they'll turn the, and they'll paint the doors black. So yeah, there was, I think a flip I was showing you earlier today. They had, it was gray with black doors. I like it. You like it? I like it. It's okay to me. I like more, um, I like to have a centerpiece of the room and that to me just makes you look so much. I like the white with the black windows. I like that a lot. Yeah, same. But, and I've also seen where they do gray trim where it's not quite as in your face. Mm, a little softer. I like yeah, I like a little bit softer. I like the idea of painting the doors a different color, but I think if you go too bold, sometimes it's gonna turn some people off. Whereas more neutral but has a little bit of bold is gonna appeal to most people. Yeah. But it's also preference. I mean some people may hate that. Yeah. Alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna move on. Um I yeah. don't wanna I don't wanna take too much time and I've got a couple questions for you. Um what do you like most about working with investors? What's your favorite thing? You know? really seeing the flips because I, I love architecture and they're taking these homes that a lot of people would just burn down, tear down, disregard, yeah. and they're turning them into something a lot newer. And they'll take some of the original details of the house and they'll just restore it, mm-hmm. which I really like because it's given, I like, you know, um, old Salem, went to Salem, they, that part, it was built, I think the 1700s and yeah. it still looks, it may have been 1800s. I don't know the exact year, but it still looks that way, which is cool to me. So I hate now where they'll tear down these buildings that have so much character just because, you know, it costs a lot to fix it up. So that's what I like. They, they're able to take these properties and make them into something that they weren't, or they can take an ugly house and make them attractive. That to me is really interesting. What's the, what's the worst part? The worst part? Um, the worst part of working with investors. So they rely on me a lot about my judgment on what sells and I can tell them, Hey, do this. But at the end of the day, they've been doing it a lot longer than me mm-hmm. in most cases. So they'll have their ideas of what will work. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's trying to listen to them, but also put my input to make sure they get that sell. Because if they don't, I'm the one they look at. You know, if it's not, I guess yeah. the worst part to answer your question is if I tell them to do certain things. And I understand if, you know, they may have a better way. But if it sits on the market, I'm their realtor. I feel responsible if it's not selling like that. So yeah. I'm doing everything I can, but had one recently. I thought it was an eternity that was on the market. It was only 30 days, which is actually very typical. Um, so I'm now getting used to that market shift. So I'm, that's the one thing I don't like. I want them to sell instantly if it's, cause usually whenever your house goes on the market, if it's going to get offers and sell quickly, you're going to get that within the first couple of days. So if we go through that first weekend without a good offer, I'm pretty disappointed. Yeah. So that's my goal as a realtor is to make sure we get that offer that they need as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And they can, and 
they're very dependent on you if they're going to list with you. Right. And another part of that is just pricing it right. Yeah. Like doing the right touches and pricing it right. So balance it both. And sometimes investors, they may spend more go over budgets. So they want to compensate on the listing end. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's not the right thing to do because you could go in a little bit lower, but get you know enough offers yeah. to drive up the price. But it's hard for somebody to feel comfortable doing that because it, it sounds very ludicrous for you to be like, oh, go in lower than what you want and expect somebody to pay you more for it. That's yeah. in COVID. That was a great strategy. Now it just depends on the neighborhood and the house and what's going on with it. But yeah, sometimes that can work. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious what your opinion is. If so for a real estate agent mm-hmm. that most real estate agents, they just work in their circle, friends and family, they'll find deals and stuff like that, posting online, et cetera, et cetera. A real estate agent that wants to work with investors, Mm -hmm. what would you say to actually get connected with those investors? What piece of advice would you give somebody? Oh, so I I would probably start finding off-market properties and just studying the field and how that works because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if you're an investor's preferred realtor, they don't have to use you all the time. Yeah. Like I get it if another guy finds them an off-market property, they're obviously going to list it with him because that that's his work he did. And that's something that when I get busy, I don't have as much time to do, but I wish I did because I can, you're adding a lot of value as a realtor. If you can go find a property off market that the numbers make sense for them to flip. Uh, because as realtors, a lot of investors think that we're just a silent partner that makes, you know, 6%, which we don't cause we've split that most of the time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes for investors, you'll give a little bit of a deal to make it work and be more incentivized to them, but they know real estate. So sometimes you got to come in and be like, okay, I'm going to add value where you could do it yourself, but you've got to prove that you can do it better and make them more money. That's the whole point of you as a realtor. Yeah. So finding the investor. Mm -hmm. So learn the market. Yeah. Master the market. Mm -hmm. I think that's step one with anything real estate. Yeah. Figure out the market and like probably start in your local area. Mm -hmm. So you've figured the market out. Now I want to find the investor. It's all about relationships and finding the properties. So first, I would say finding the deal, mm-hmm. the property you're going to get this investor is going to be harder than finding the investor themselves. Yeah. Because you can tell if a property's flipped. You look on Zillow, you can tell there's no furniture in there most cases, or if there is, it's too perfect to look lived in. Yeah. Um, everything's new. So what I do, and most time these are under LLCs. So I'll go on the MLS, um, which Zillow pulls from the MLS, so same data. Mm-hmm. But if you go on MLS, you can pull up who this investor was that flipped it or the LLC they're behind. Look up the LLC and then trace their number and then call that number and say, hey, I have a property for you and just talk with them about listing it with you and making sure it makes sense for them. But if you build a relationship with the seller of that property you found and say, hey, I've got an investor and make the connection, you're adding value. That's how to get started. Yeah, so like... So basically what you're saying is like, if you can, if you find a deal, mm-hmm. most of the time, especially today, if you find a deal, you have to act fast. So you like, do. cause those, there's going to be offers there. Cause there's thousands and thousands of people. Looking well, for those deals. it depends on if it's listed or not. Okay. So I would recommend finding non-listed properties. And if you're in real estate, you'll find these, yeah. um, there'll be, you know, somebody calls you want to sell this house from my mother's house. It's in yeah. horrible condition. And if you notice that this deal cannot like I said before, if it cannot pass a loan, it needs to go to an investor. Yeah. If it can pass a loan, you know, go to an individual because they'll get top dollar. If a seller has a property that won't pass a loan, they're going to want top dollar. If And then they're going to want, you're going to want a commission because you got to list this property. Yeah. So 
they're you're getting their hopes up by saying, hey, this house that is worth fifty to an investor is worth a hundred because it won't pass a loan. You're not going to get that person. An investor can't pay a hundred for this house, so you've overpriced it to your your people, mm-hmm. and then you've also got your commission on top of it. So they may be netting like seventy. I don't think maybe less than seventy five. So it wouldn't be less than seventy five. Maybe more than seventy five. But let's say they're netting eighty after everything. That still doesn't. Um, and by everything, I mean 6% and closing cost. That's 10,000 different. There. Yeah. But that's still unrealistic because you're not going to get to that point. So if you say, hey, you know, I'm not going to charge you a commission. I've, I've just got somebody that's interested. You can find that person, tell them 50, let them work it out to numbers that make sense for them. And then you get the listing in the end. Yeah. Because then at the end of the day, you're not getting the seller's hopes up by something that doesn't make sense or isn't realistic. And then if they do want that number, you got to talk to them about, hey, are you willing to install HVAC, install flooring, mm-hmm. do the things to bring it up to code. Um, but if not, send it to an investor yeah. and then that's a guaranteed listing for you. Yeah. And I think we were talking about it like, uh, I don't remember when we were talking about it, mm-hmm. but if you're, if you find that deal in this area, let's say just XYZ street, mm-hmm. find a deal here, um, off market, somebody calls me, I can look around, find those comps, see what's sold similar to it yeah. and see if you can find an investor that bought something similar, mm-hmm. call them because that's right up their alley and yeah. you bring them that deal. They're going to want to work with you from yeah, that. Yeah. They know what it is. They know that you're obviously a little bit more savvy than the average realtor because yeah. you went through the whole channel of finding this off market deal and finding them. So they'll probably trust you. Yeah. That's a neat trick. I yeah. Feel like. Thank you. Um, but yeah, that's a, I've used that a couple of times, but also, I mean, with me, a lot of the people that I know just through word of mouth. And once you work with one investor, they may know another guy that needs a realtor and put you onto them, which is really great mm-hmm. too. And I guess that's with any client, you just want to do a good job. So you get referrals. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Of yeah. course. Um, all right. Well, uh, I think this was good. Um, if we go any longer, everybody's going to be asleep. In it, right. <laughs> that's true, um, yeah. We'll come back in like two weeks or something and do another one. Sounds good. Um.